Gloomies, happy new year. Wow, it's 2019. Here we are. We're back on our grinds. We're making espresso at home. We're making smoothies. We're using a rice cooker. We're doing all the things that make us glowier. Yes, they all include consuming food, but that's okay too. That's we need food. So there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you guys, Happy New Year. Um, this episode is a phone call with me and Caroline. We did another little phone catch up. She just got back from Mexico City. She talks all about her trip, all about the awesome food she had. What did she find? What did she think about crickets? Keep listening to find out. Um, you guys, as always, I have some tour dates to announce and to share. I'm coming to very soon next week. I'm coming to Philly, D.C., and uh, Seattle, Los Angeles, Nashville. So if you're interested in seeing my stand-up, please follow me on Instagram at Esther Monster. Get ticket links, get all that, get tickets, come see me if I'm coming to your city. And uh, you guys, Happy New Year. Enjoy this episode. As always, follow us on Instagram at Glowing Up Podcast. You got Caroline on Instagram at porkchop.biz. And we will I'm we're all looking forward to a glowy year together. Enjoy. Let's get ready to be. I had so much fun. Mexico is the most amazing place. And I don't mean this at all in a way to like lessen Mexico's amazingness, but there are parts of Mexico where you really feel like you are in the middle of a small European town. I went to all these amazing cities where there were like cobblestone streets and amazing coffee and just the best food. It was eye-opening. I have a whole new appreciation for Mexico. It was amazing. The food, the headline was really the food. I mean, I busted my ass to research places. Cause I'm not a, I don't want to, I went to Mexico City and like, yes, there are a lot of really nice like four-star restaurants there, but that's really not my vibe. Like I'm not going to Mexico City to sit at a white tablecloth restaurant and like get this fancy ass meal. I want to go to like where the locals are going, places yeah. where I'm going to be getting this like delicious stewed goat that's like made traditionally by a Mexican grandma over an oak fire you know I want to go to a place where I walk in and ideally there are like few to no other white travelers like that's how I know I did my job so I busted my ass researching just local treasures and it totally paid off I mean I had some of the most amazing meals of my life I mean the one downside was 
I ate so much meat and meat really fucks with you. And I wasn't, I, I, I'm not even talking like your weight or like your skin. I was having nightmares every single night. What? I think it was because of the meat because I, when I tell you I was having every single night violent nightmares, I would have multiple per night. I would get, I had dreams that I was getting fired from Corden and like just the most awful dreams. And I'm like, well, what am I doing differently? Why am I having these nightmares? I'm like, because I'm eating meat two times a day, having a big meat dinner before I go to sleep. That has to be it. What? Wait, that's like basically sounds insane to me. I can't get behind that. I, I and okay. I'm a vegan. Like I don't I don't understand. I don't you think it's more that you were just in a foreign country and like exploring and like living a very different like to me it sounds so much like your environment sounds more impactful than mm. eating meat. Right? Look, I mean I'm I'm just gonna say like I thought you of all people would support my <laughs> meat my meat terror hypothesis. <laughs> I thought that you'd be... I want to get behind it, but logic wins out. Like, this is... I mean, it could be a thing. It just sounds so wild to me. I completely believe it. I I have a whole new, like, fear of eating meat. Like, I'm I'm coming off of this trip. I mean, again, the food I ate was so great, but I think I'm going to really reduce my meat consumption and, like, limit it to once a week or something like that because I... I saw the dark side of meat on this trip. And I'm all I'm saying is Google nightmares after pork and you'll see. Really? Meat terrors. They're a thing. So this is like a research known thing. Look, I'm not saying like there have been scientific, you know, <laughs> journals that have published papers on it. But I think there's anecdotal evidence that meat terrors are real. Was it hard to not eat meat in Mexico? Yes. Like, was- yes. Okay. I think... Again, like I said, there were, especially in Mexico City, there were some really nice restaurants and a lot of those would have really acceptable vegetarian options. But if you're like trying to go off the beaten path and go with the flow and like we talked about when you're traveling, you're kind of in crisis mode all the time and sometimes you're starving and you're like, fuck, we need to like literally duck in anywhere and get food because we're starving. And in moments like that, you're going to be ducking into a taqueria. There's not going to be amazing vegetarian options. And look, I mean, there are beans and rice, but, you know, the beans are often cooked in lard and, like, things like that to keep in mind if you're really hardcore vegan. But that being said, it was so fun. I ate some of the most memorable memorable meals of definitely of my entire life. I mean, I know I keep saying this, but I went to this one restaurant that was open on Christmas Day and I had read about it online somewhere and it was called La Polar and we walk in and it's this two-story almost like the vibe of a Chili's or a TGI Fridays where it's completely packed with completely packed with families there are two dueling mariachi bands and there are no white people in there which I honestly I think is a good sign completely packed on Christmas Day and they have one item on the menu which is like is that not such a turn on <gasps> what is it it's their famous stewed goat in Me- in Spanish it's called birria and it's just like the most succulent stewed slow cooked fall off the bone goat and they just serve it with some minor condiments like chopped onions and fresh avocado and tortillas and 
you just make your own tacos and it was just one of the most memorable amazing low-key dining experiences of my entire life wow that is so cool was the avocado fresher richer like was it better there it was pretty good I mean all the Mexico all the avocados we eat I learned most of them come from Mexico so we're getting Mexican avocados anyway here but you're closer to them there so in theory I'm like okay are they better because you're getting them Look, I in the restaurants they were really good, but it's hard to know if they if those are pre-selected to be good. I mean, it's tough with fruits and fruits and vegetables in Mexico. Like, I tried a lot of amazing fruits and vegetables. Oh, in the markets, oh my god, I tried some amazing fruits and vegetables that I had never had before. My mind was blown. It was like the excitement you had when you tried a persimmon the first time. I had that like five times with all new fruits. What? Yes. Tell us what fruits, bitch. Oh, bitch, you know I'm not going to you know I'm going to be straight up with you and tell you about the fruits. Have you ever heard of um oh my god, fuck. Gua I oh, I don't want to mess it up. I think guayabana. Hold on, let me make sure I'm getting it right. Guay, oh, you can hear me texting. It's so embarrassing. I'm typing it up. Yes. Yes. Guayabana. No, what is that? No. Oh, I mean, I'm thinking of cherimoya, whatever. It's this giant, delicious, soft fruit that has these big seeds, and it tastes like a mix between a banana and a mango and a pineapple. Like, I can't even... I know. I can barely even... Is there any way to make that happen here, or is it you can only have it oh, there? Oh, I'm sorry. It's a cherimoya. I'm such an idiot. It's a fucking cherimoya. They have them at the farmer's market sometimes. They are so good. I They're so weird and bizarre and exciting. The mangoes in Mexico, the tiny mangoes, they're the best mangoes you've ever had. They, the flesh doesn't get stuck in your teeth. They're literally magical. Now, I saw you posted something. You posted a photo early on in the trip of chilaquiles, and I have to ask, like, they look so good. Can you please walk me through the fresh chilaquiles of Mexico? Oh, I would love to. Chilaquiles from what I can garner is pretty much usually like a red or green sauce mixed with like crushed up tortilla chips I want to say and maybe you have a meat option but it's best served with egg and so it's really kind of like a that's a really good vegetarian op well the egg is not vegan obviously but that that was like always an option at most restaurants we went to and It's a pretty simple dish, but the thing that elevates it is in Mexico, the salsas were that bitch. They were that good. For me, a green salsa, a motherfucking salsa verde, that just brings me to my knees. Like, even a random-ass thing from the supermarket here I love, but in Mexico, the art of the salsa verde was elevated to new levels. Levels that... salsa is, like... To me, a jarred salsa is literally dog shit. It's so gross. They're never good. They always taste weird. When we're talking about fresh house-made salsas, like, that is what gets me up in the morning. I, like, the thought of the just the image of your chilaquiles with that fresh salsa verde, like, had me dripping in all the right places. Bitch, I was wet. I'm getting wet talking about it. Like, every hole is pouring out squirt right now. <laughs> They were so good. And I mean, I 
oh, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want it to transition into starting like I'm bragging, but again, the restaurants I went to, they were just so, they were so good. I mean, all Glomies, feel free to hit me up in the DMs and I'll do my best to get you my racks because I don't want to like drone on and on on the podcast. But I mean, it was really a food trip. That was the highlight. We did a street food tour, which was so amazing. We had this recommendation for a, a tour guide who specialized in street food. And we just got these like amazing street quesadillas with mushrooms in them. Oh, they were so good. It was really fun. Yeah. And I had, so I know I talked a big game on the podcast about bugs before leaving. I predicted I would go to Mexico and come back this bug loving, you know, I would be snacking on crickets like every damn day. Like I had all these big dreams for my bug consumption. And I'm, I think Esther, you'll be really pleased to hear that I tried crickets. I didn't, I didn't hate them. But I don't think crickets are going to become, like, a really big staple snack for me. Okay, look, I don't want to act like, you know, uh, that's what I was rooting for. I don't need to act like I'm winning with that, you know. I Look, I want you to like bugs. I do. Really? Like, I want us to be different. I don't want to like bugs, but I would have, it would have been fine with me if you liked bugs, but, you know. Look, I've seen you eat fish eyes and fish brains. Like, you not liking crickets, you're not really getting any points in my book. Like, right, right. You've already crossed a threshold. <laughs> we're not coming back from. Absolutely. I mean, the crickets were seasoned well, but it's something about, like, here's what it is. There is a little juicy pop when you eat them, and you have to kind of wonder, like, what is that, you know? <laughs> oh What's God. in the cricket? And again, it's like the flavors were there, the crunch was there, but the legs for me, like getting legs stuck in your teeth is just mentally, just not, it's just a mental, it's a mental threshold that I want to cross, but it's a little tough for me. I, I was picking, let's just say I was picking cricket legs out of my moral, my molars for a good couple hours after I ate the bugs. Yeah. So that was my bug experience. I didn't bring any back, but um, the sweets of Mexico, I mean, I know I'm just like obsessed with talking about the food. There was other amazing okay. stuff too, like museums and, you know, whatever else I did, don't get me wrong, but the sweets and like the spicy candy, because, you know, I love spicy chili candy, just being surrounded by some of my dream tastes. I mean, I had the greatest time. And, of course, I would be remiss if I didn't speak on the makeup selection of Mexico. Yes, we need to hear about that. So, yeah. So, I, as listeners of Glowing Up know, I love, I live to go to a foreign country and just buy them out of whatever their specialty is, their cult products, like the must-have products. And I did a little research on Mexico, and it's not like, there's not this huge community or this huge there's no like headline there's not a ton of big headline products but their one thing is mascara apparently mexico is so famous for their mascara like when i went into these small little beauty stores i did not rec they had the most dazzling array of colorful sparkly mascaras 
brands that you've never heard of. Like it almost seemed like this own cottage industry in itself. Just Mexican mascaras that were just so gorgeous. And I had like no idea what any of them did. And shout out to Glomies who hit me up in the DMs and gave me some amazing recommendations. So I brought home a couple and they're full of like amazing, nutritive, strengthening oils. Like I I got you one, Esther. Don't worry. Oh my God. Wait, what is it? I got, well, I got a mixture. I got one that has avocado oil in it. That's apparently amazing for strengthening your lashes and it looks really nice. I feel like that one is so perfect for you. I got one that's infused with mamey oil, which is another kind of like nut or something that's supposed to be good for your lashes. And I got, they have like their own version of a great lash, which is like pink and green tube. And apparently it's like more of a dramatic look, but I, they're like totally, when you see them, you'll love it. It's like, looks like a small business made them. Like there's no big corporation on it. It has this like old world feel to the packaging. It's very cute. I'll post pictures on the glowing up Instagram for sure. Thank you. That sounds awesome. Um, it was so fun. I mean, I I had the greatest time. Is there anything better than like just going into a, I mean, of course, a farmer's market is great, like an artisanal food market in the center of the city, but even just walking into a local Mexican big box supermarket, I mean, I could get lost for hours just wandering the aisles, seeing what weird flavors of Doritos they have and seeing like, right? I mean, I bought, they had panty liners that were Sanrio themed. My ass put that shit in my cart so fast and brought them the fuck home. Wait, I'm so glad you bought those because I saw them on your Instagram. I like didn't even think you'd buy them. I'm so excited. Oh, it was an immediate purchase for me. There was no question. It had to be bought. Now, I have a question back to food a little bit because this is a concern that I have with international travel or any travel really where any situation you're in where you're in that emergency mode, you're kind of having to eat different things and, you know, you're motivated to because you want to try things so you won't have a chance to again. Basically, my question is, did you find yourself having like stomach aches or like not feeling well or digestion issues because you were eating so many different things at different times and all that? Yes. I think that especially with Mexico where there's issues that you have to like not eat ice or like be careful of what street food you eat because like, you know, you can just get diarrhea and you can just get sick. And like, I mean, I'm pretty mindful of that stuff, but I think I had like a mixture of gastrointestinal issues I think throughout the trip nothing was ever too serious thank god but for me it was more like it was like oops like I just got mild diarrhea I don't know what it's from I don't know it's because I ate both raw fish and shaved pork in the span of two hours like or if it's because I chewed on the ice in my agua fresca like literally who knows what it was so for me it was like a lot of letting go and not trying to overanalyze like what did this, what made me sick. I brought Pepto-Bismol tablets. That was like a must pack for me. Those are always really good at like just kind of shoring away a wide variety of issues. Yeah. And, you know, you just – I'm really – I'm about to say this, and I know it's slightly insensitive to your current situation, but I was really thinking of you – And I know I really encourage you to go to Japan, and I'm really proud of you for going. I think you did the right thing. But 
you were right and you are right. Walking is kind of a huge part of what balances out that kind of crazy array of food you're eating, you know? That's a big part of like what keeps you going and like what makes it okay. Because you really, when you're traveling, sometimes you're just going meal meal to meal. You're like, I'm going out to this breakfast place and then I'm going out to this lunch place. It's like you're living your food life in a way that you probably never normally would at home. Like I was eating out three meals a day, which is insane. I would never do that at home. Yeah, I mean, I am also glad I went to Japan, but it was kind of depressing, like going out to breakfast and then like not moving for three hours and then going out to lunch. Like I did, you feel that, you know, it's like not fun to go out to a big meal when you don't feel like you've earned it in any way. It, like it does, it is a bummer. And I, I mean, I am having weight insecurity right now, which is a whole other thing, but I do appreciate you at least pointing that out. And I'm curious, do you feel, and I'm, I apologize if this is like a eating disorder sensitive question, but I, I'm, curious enough to ask like do you feel like you left Mexico like oh I ate so much like I I think I put weight on or do you feel like you actually lost weight because of how much you were how active you were I think it was a net it was like net neutral I don't think I really went in either way I mean I was walking a lot and I mean it really goes to show like walking is a completely valid form of exercise like I was reading it's a it's I mean it's no I mean I feel like I phrased that weird, but it's, like, not only valid, I feel like it's necessary and we all need to find a way. Like, I was reading, Esther, of course, you are the OG walking queen. We're never going to take that away from you. But I was reading an interview with one of my goddesses and icons, Kathy Griffin, who obviously is looking so amazing and she really has her body on tight and on point for the last couple of years and someone asked her Kathy what do you do for exercise every day and I just assumed she had a trainer and like all this stuff but she said something that I thought was so interesting that she religiously every day will walk six to seven miles which is a lot I mean that's like at least an hour like possibly an hour and a half and then she'll just come home yeah I mean that's quite a bit that is quite a lot And then she'll come home and do, like, arm circles or sit-ups or something like that. I mean, I was walking so much. And, like, no, I wasn't – my heart rate wasn't, like, rising or anything. But I was, like, feeling good. And I was feeling lean. And, like, it was – it was great. Like, it felt great to – it's, like, what our legs should be doing. And I – and I walk and I just don't do it that often. This is, like, my fitness platform because I feel like I'm constantly in fights with all my college friends. They're like, walking isn't a workout. I need a real workout. And I'm like, no, walking is a workout. It's awesome. Walking, to me, it's like it has anxiety and depression benefits. It has physical benefits. Like, it's just so – to me, it's like – you know, when people say a banana, uh, Kim Snyder always says, like, a banana is the perfect food. It comes in its wrapper. It has all these, like, to me, that's walking is the perfect exercise, form of exercise. It's, like, right there. It's free. It's accessible. You know, you can go to an indoor mall and walk if you're, if you don't have a gym membership and you're in a cold, a place that's cold right now because the winter, like, I just think it's, it's such a great form of exercise. It is a real form of exercise, like, fuck all my friends who say it isn't and it's like yeah I get it you want to 
I know that you want to get your heart rate up and all that, but I still, I stand for walking. I think it's awesome. It's completely available. It's free. It's not like damaging on your joints and like, yeah. and yes, it's cold right now in a lot of places, but like when it warms up a little bit, you can like walk for miles around your neighborhood and see all this stuff. I mean, it's hard for me. Like, I don't know. It's hard like to find the time. Like, I don't know if it'd be a matter of like waking up at six and like putting in my headphones and like walking around my neighborhood. I guess it's not that crazy, but it mean it was that's like the best part of vacation just having that excuse to like walk and walk and like my exercise was you know right there in the day and it was also mm-hmm. like completely practical and was taking me from place to place you know it was the best yeah it it feels good to be a useful engine and to use your body to get you from point A to point B it just there's something about it that just feels so good it was a maze. It was so amazed. I mean, so the headline is really like the cities where the small cities were so fun. Also, we took the we took buses all around Mexico and I was kind of like, oh, what's that going to be like? Because when I think of buses in America, I think, oh, like Megabus or Greyhound where it's like you're crammed in and they're like dirty and it's like not pleasant at all. But in Mexico, taking the bus was so easy so lovely and for such a like a relatively small amount of money you can get like a first class bus ticket which just gives you this like plush seat and like a leg rest and a tv and a phone charger I'm like nothing like this exists in America and it's just like of course like in countries where they actually use public transportation and they use forms of transportation it's like the systems are so much more evolved there it's just depressing sometimes And I have to say this, as a fellow cheap queen, I really have to speak to how fun it is to visit a cheap country. Like, things are so cheap in Mexico. It just makes it so, like, when I was in Spain, I was, like, so, I, like, didn't want to go out to eat. And even just going into a church would cost, like, $10 to see the church. And you're, like, always kind of anxious. Like, you've already spent all this money on your plane ticket. And you're there for one time in your life. So you feel like you should do all this stuff. But you're, like, fuck. Like, I'm going to be fucking thousands in the hole after this trip. But in Mexico, we were just – John and I are both really cheap people. And we had no anxieties about spending money because, like, museums were $2. Souvenirs were, like, $2. Beautiful painted ceramic bowls were, like, $3. Meals were cheap you know, a subway ride was 25 cents, like amounts of money that were like, we were like laughing and smiling with joy as we threw down our credit cards, which for us is usually like where the anxiety of the trip is. So shout out to visiting a cheap country. It is just that much more fun, especially when you're traveling on a dime. You like don't feel bad at all about eating out, like just doing the fun things you want to be doing. That is awesome. Now, what did you guys do for where you stayed? We did a mixture of Airbnbs, which were amazing. You know, if you book an Airbnb somewhat in advance, it's so easy to find, like, an Airbnb that's really well-reviewed and, like, you can just tell, like, when something's going to be good. And in Mexico City, we had this Airbnb that was, like, to me it was cheap, but I think it was, like, somewhere between 50 and 70 a night, which is nothing. I mean, hotels are obviously, like, 400 or $500. Like, that's a great deal. And it was in a high rise with a doorman and it was just like in this perfect part of town and it was just so cute. 
when we we went to the Sierra Gordas, which is like the Mexican jungle slash rainforest, which is I still don't really get where we went, but we were we did this like guided tour thing where we were in a beautiful cabin. I was so scared that there was going to be bugs and like mosquitoes and it was going to be this like dinky cabin, but it was so cute and so nice and so clean. And then we treated ourselves in one of the other cities we went to and we stayed in a hotel, which is like so rare for me. I'm the cheapest person. I never want to shell up for a hotel. But in Mexico, it was like less than $100 a night for a beautiful boutique artisanal hotel and like a 200-year-old home. It was just gorgeous. Damn, that is awesome. I know. It was it was fun. I just every time I travel, I'm like reignited. I want to keep traveling. Like I'm already planning my next trip. It's just it really is the joy of life. I really believe that. Where do you want to go next? I'm really interested in going to a couple places. Obviously Japan is like always on my list, but after going to a cheap country, I'm kind of getting excited about Maybe going to somewhere like Thailand where just imagine like the Thai oh. food you'd eat and the pad thai like every damn day. Ugh. That thinking about pad thai definitely makes me want to go to Thailand. As shitty as that sounds, like I mean, well, you know, there's beautiful temples and like other amazing things, but that food, I mean, come on, that food would be insane. So I'm thinking Thailand. I also really want to go to China. As crazy as this sounds, I have so many friends that have told me that I would love China and not to get too shady and illegal on the podcast, but I've heard rumors of in China, there are these big famous fabric markets where they're selling counterfeit goods, like the most amazing counterfeit bags left and right. But the most interesting thing that you can do in these fabric markets is what my one friend told me is you can take in, let's say you have like a beautiful, unique designer coat, I, which I don't have and neither do you. But let's just assume like <laughs> one of us has like a powder blue YSL coat or something that fits perfectly. It was $20,000, like, you know, whatever. You can go in with any item of clothing into the Chinese fabric market. And there are certain tailors where you'll say, can you remake me this exact coat with either the same fabric or the same fabric but in a different color or like you take in your most oh. well-fitting designer item that is the most treasured piece in your closet and you say can you remake this for me in this color or with a slightly different fabric and then in 24 hours for like two dollars or something you have a remade version of the most expensive beloved thing in your closet what oh no i've heard crazy shit about china girl crazy wait I am interested, even though I don't have anything nice to Same, (laughs) same, same. But you know what I mean. Like, shit could get real. Even just, like, the the thought of taking, like, my perfect favorite t-shirt. Yes, yes. I mean, I knew you would say that, and I don't think that's what it's for. But you know what? Like, yes, you can, girl. Yes, you can. (laughs) So I'm thinking maybe something like that. I mean – There are so many places I want to visit. I already can't wait to go back to Mexico. It's so close. It's a hop, skip, and a jump away from most places in America. It was a great – I really – I really throw down. It was really fun. Oh, oh my god. And I almost forgot to talk about my biggest Mexican food discovery. Oh my god. Esther, I discovered 
there's something in Mexico. It's this ancient alcohol that they were drinking in Aztec times. It's this really integral part of Mexican culture, and I had never heard of it. It's called pulque, and it's basically a fermented alcoholic drink made from agave plants, which is like, you know, agave lip mask. Are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're with me. Hello. <laughs> Hi. But it's really not alcoholic. It tastes exactly like kombucha. It's like that same alcohol level where it kind of tastes like a little boozy, but it's not actually going to get you drunk. And it's so thick and so nutritive and is full of probiotics and like all these vitamins and this gut healing stuff. And it has this like slimy texture and it's this integral part of Mexican culture. There are pulquerias where it's like people are just like sitting and drinking, but it's it honestly was like kombucha on crack. I was obsessed with it. At the pulquerias, they have fresh flavors that they switch out every day. And when I tell you the oatmeal pulque with cinnamon on top was not the best taste I've ever had in my life, I am not kidding you. I was obsessed. In Mexico City, it was by far the best, and the rest of the trip was me desperately trying to recreate those tastes and that texture and I never quite reached it, but like, I want to go back to Mexico City just to drink more pulque. It was, if anyone in the Los Angeles area has the pulque hookup, please let me know. Wow. I mean, that is so exciting. Mexican kombucha, but like on another level, and it's a big social event, and it's ancient, and it's like steeped in culture and history. Why hasn't that not taken off in the States yet? Yeah, you know, I really wish there were more things that you that that we had more culture like that that wasn't surrounded with like partying and getting drunk or even like coffee is still a drug like you do get high off of it like I don't know I just wish that we had more things that weren't just about making your brain altered and we're just like about celebrating a taste Uh, yeah it's I feel like coffee is our closest thing to that but it's like not as big in Mexico because beer took over in the 50s or and the big beer companies put out propaganda about pulque so like people would stop drinking it it's just like a really interesting drink oh yeah there's pulque drama and I learned all about it so that was like my big huge discovery of life of the trip like to discover a world and a drink that you knew nothing about it just made me it was it was eye-opening that is what travel is for. It's like discovering that new thing and then taking that inspiration with you into the new year. Like I, I love it. And so that was my trip. And now I'm back. I'm like trying to catch up on my TV and like hit that new year, drinking water, intermittent fasting. Like Ooh. do, yeah, girl, I'm, we're hitting it. We're hitting it big. <sighs> um, and we are just out of time. Oh! <laughs> I know. I know. We just had to do our little phone call catch-up, but it's the new year. We've got real in-person guests that are going to blow minds this year. I know. And we have a lot of exciting things coming up that I just – I almost, like – just spill them out because I'm so excited but I won't out of respect for this partnership please keep that respect in check girl I'm so happy we got to catch up I feel like I just talked that whole time and I didn't get any of your updates 
we needed to hear about this trip. Are you kidding? Like, we're all feeling so inspired now and ready to plan our next trip. True. Well, I can't wait to see you and catch up and drink oat milk lattes and hear more about what you did for the holidays. But I guess it'll just have to be our next our next hang. Stay tuned. Stay um, okay, cool. Tuned. Well, Glomies, thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Let's go, go, go.